Okay. I see we have some folks coming in, but we're gonna go ahead and get started. How is everybody this afternoon? Okay, we got a lively crowd. Welcome, welcome. I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have this conversation. We are going to have a conversation today that is gonna be filled with information, but most, first and foremost, and most importantly, I want you all to walk out of here differently than how you walked in. So we're gonna have conversation that delves into our topic and our theme for today. But before we get started, I do have some business. So let me start by introducing myself. My name is Denise Lamezon-Bell. I am the Global DEI Program Director um, for our DEI, if you don't know what that means, is Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Jacobs. And I am the moderator for today's session, which is in room 252AB. So is everybody in the right place? OK, good. Um, and the session today is called Stay Strong, Sis. So everybody look to the person to your left. Say, stay strong, sis. <laughs> or bro. Stay strong, sis. Right? Bro. OK, look to the person to your right. Stay strong, sis. OK. And this discussion is going to be on resiliency and surviving the obstacles forced by women of color in corporate America, and it's presented by Jacobs. So in the uh, conference app, you will see my bio. So if you haven't had a chance to read it yet, please do so. Um, you can search your device, device's app store for Career Communications Group and download the app now if you haven't done so already. There you will be able to rate this session contact me as the moderator and the panel members that you see before you after the seminar, as well as read their full bios. And speaking of this dynamic panel, I'm going to introduce them. So um, to my far left, Alexis Collier. Thank you. <laughs> Inclusion and Diversity Sorcerer at Jacobs. And I asked the ladies, but I should have said this before, I asked them each to give me a word um, to describe themselves, but more importantly, today's session. And Alexis's word is versatile, okay? Sitting in the middle is Sharon Jean-Baptiste. Sharon is the Vice President in Midwest uh, of Midwest US People, Places, and Solutions Operations at Jacobs. And Sharon's word is, she can demonstrate her word. You, you did it so well. Exhale, yeah, <laughs> exhale. And last but certainly not least is Hilma Jimenez. And Hilma is our vice president and strategist at Jacobs. And Hilma's word is perseverance. Okay, so to introduce today's session, which I already mentioned is called Stay Strong Sis. We're going to address resilience, what it means. We'll share stories. The ladies, you'll hear from them and their personal challenges that they've had to go through as it related to resilience. We're gonna challenge the assumptions that women of color don't need safety and that we're comfortable and we can't break down, right? We can't be in those moments where we just need to exhale and in order to persevere. We're gonna have some strong discussions. They're each gonna tell you some moments within their life of how they've overcome obstacles and challenges. And we believe that this topic is relevant because it's important that as people and women of color, first and foremost, we understand that you're not alone. When you're going through moments where you're feeling challenged or where there's adversity, that you know that there is community 
and that your network is there to support you. And so through today's conversation, we're going to talk about how you tap into that network when you're going through things, but also give you practical tools of some of the things that the ladies have actually used in their lives to get through those moments where they have found themselves having to be resilient. So is everybody ready for the conversation? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so let's get into today's conversation. And let's really start from a working definition of what resilience is. So when we were discussing this as a group, right, ladies, we were each talking about our own experiences as it related to resilience. And we kind of came up with the same common definition in terms of facing adversity, powering through or pushing through, finding your way out of the obstacle. And I think um, in that discussion, we also, the word refusal, refusal to give up, refusing to give in, refusing to succumb to whatever it is, the narrative that plays out in the world that tells us who we are, right, that goes against what we know who we are, um, and just powering through. So I want to start, Alexis, with you, because I'm going to share something a little bit with the audience, because I don't know, Alexis recently got married, so there's some changes that she's recently, that has re recently occurred in her life. Um, and as I mentioned, Alexis um, does a um, wonderful job as an inclusion and diversity sorcerer at Jacobs and all that that entails. But just, you know, being from that generation where change, you know, happens all the time and you have to pivot and you have to adjust, how have you dealt with resilience, um, being a new wife, um, stepping into a new role pretty much about a year ago now? Um, how have you been able to manage and face some of the adversity or the challenges and the obstacles that have come your way? <laughs> um, so I'm 27, so I'm in that millennial generation, um, and I came from a company, one that was fully in the office, and everyone was together and all of that great stuff. And then I had an awesome opportunity to join Jacobs for DNI as the Inclusion Diversity Sourcer. This turned into be a remote role, so I kind of had to learn how am I not gonna make connections being remote, like at home, and also moving to a whole new city with my husband. We moved to Chicago. So that was my first time moving away from family, who was my support with work, when I didn't really know how to maneuver in the corporate world. Um, and then also being a wife now, where I felt like I had to tend to my husband's every desire, and that's not mm. how it is. <laughs> um, but so I really had to navigate that space um, to see how I could still be successful in the things that I love to do, but also in my personal life as well. Um, and so it did take a lot of self-reflection. Um, it took a lot of realizing that there are some pieces of your journey that are meant to be um, don't take this the wrong way, but solo. You have a village that is there to be your support, but at the same time, you have to take ownership of yourself and the needs that you need. Um, so as humans, every single one of us needs satisfaction, we need safety, and we need connectedness. And a lot of times I think we can result or kind of go for other people, depend on other people to provide that for us, but you first have to find that within yourself. And so when all these changes were happening with me, I really had to dig in, what are my triggers? What are things that are holding me back, insecurities that are making me feel like I need to depend on my husband to be support, my family to be support, um, in times where ultimately I need to kind of figure out my own thing. 
um, to be able to be successful in what I need to be doing. So um, I think that was the first thing for me was just determining for myself some insecurities, how I could be able to maneuver on my own because you bringing your best self to the table is the first thing that you can do to be able to be better for other people as well. That is so, so true. And you talked about, and Sharon, I'm gonna come to you next to talk about this because Alexis, you actually bring up a good point about sometimes you have to go that road alone. Mm -hmm. And particularly when you're going through moments that are challenging, um, it's hard to do that self-reflection mm -hmm. and that in the mirror and, and really trying to define not only who you are, that's the first step, mm -hmm. but then when you figure out who you are, how do you move forward? How do you mm -hmm. get out of that space? So Sharon, as, as, as we um, pivot to you, can you give us some of that tactical application that you utilize to be able to, um, you know, when you think about going at it alone, mm -hmm. how do you begin to climb your way out of that space? Yeah, I think that's a really great question and such a valuable lesson you've learned. Alexis, because at the end of the day, right, you need to know what your center is, right? You need to know what your foundation is and what's not going to change regardless of what's happening around you. So you mm -hmm. need to know that center and that gives you a lens for how you deal, right, with whatever obstacles come your way. Um, and so to me, I look at it as um, surrounding myself with a village that can help me stay honest with myself right, um, and ensuring that I'm creating trusted spaces for myself, right? You cannot trust everybody with your space, right? And you have to be mindful and cognitive of that. And so you have to be very selective with who that village is that's going to lift you up, but at the same time, keep it very real with you, right? And remind you of Sharon, this is your center, right? This is where, right, you said you want to be and the impact that you want to have. Right, so let's go back to that, right? Now you give yourself time to process things and that's what your, your trusted safe spaces are, right? You need that space to, to process whatever change has happened to you or is going to happen to you to make sure that you land in a healthier place. It's so important for us to stay healthy, right, ladies? It's very, very important um, because so many folks depend on us, on our leadership, both personally and professionally, civically, socially, right? So it's very important for us to put that health first um, and get back again to the center, to the basics is what I call it. How do you draw those barriers though? Because it's hard, right? It's hard to, um, when we're the person who's working and we have responsibilities there to our role, um, we have responsibilities to our families. Some of us are in different seasons in life. Mm -hmm. I know for me, personally, I have an older parent now, mm -hmm. so there are things mm -hmm. that I have to shift and do, and mm -hmm. you know, it pulls me in different directions. But how do you not feel guilty about saying no? <laughs> I'm still figuring that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Please. No, but I think it's about grace, right? We have to extend grace to ourselves, right, at the end of the day. And our bodies, again, it comes back to that health, right? Healthy mind, healthy body, healthy soul will tell us when it's time to rest, when it's time to say no. And sometimes when our body does that, it's too late, right? So it's very, very important. I, I've got um, a coach and a mentor who tells me to be proactive about taking time off, right? Don't wait till I'm exhausted and, and dragging right through the weeks 
plan, right? Look ahead and see when do I need to be at my best and plan my time off with myself to get ready to be at my best, right? And that's hard. That's very hard because we all have a lot of competing priorities that we've got to figure out, right? But at the end of the day, where can I make the biggest impact is where we have to stay focused on. And some of the things that we've got to say no to where we say, look, I'm not going to be able to do it at this particular level or timing or whatnot, that to me is giving ourselves grace, right? That we don't have to be perfect all the time, but in the things that we choose to be perfect that we do right? Because we've purposed to do that. That's kind of how I look at it. I love it. Thank you, Sharon. Hilma, I want to bring you into the conversation. Um, as a Afro-Latina, Afro-Caribbean, um, how do you, when it comes to resiliency, how does that play into that intersectionality piece for you? Because there are just so many stereotypes, right? And that we, hurdles that we, that we have to get through, not only as women of color, right? But as cult, from a cultural standpoint as well. So how do you handle that? And where, does, where do you see resiliency showing up most there? I mean, I think it really, I, I, I echo what my sisters have said. Uh, it really starts with yourself and really knowing who you are. I mean, it doesn't matter how, how much people may project things on you. Mm -hmm. You kind of actually really need to know who you really are. I mean, and the way I liken it, uh, uh, Denise, I liken it onto like on a car, you know? Every car has what we call a blind spot, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it doesn't mean that there isn't an object there. It just means that the driver cannot see that yeah. the object is there. And if the driver ignores the object, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they'll, they'll suffer some consequences, right? right? And so that's why we have aiding mirrors, we look to the side and so forth and so on, right? right? Because everybody has a blind spot. As a black, Hispanic woman, immigrant with an accent, you know, I actually happen to fall in people's blind spots sometimes, mm. right? And it's not my job to clear the blind spot for them but it is my job to acknowledge that I do exist, that I actually am me, and I actually have to own who I am, right? So, you know, and, there, and so, you know, if, I, if I'm immigrant and I have an accent, you know, well, she's not so smart, you know? If I'm a black woman, well, she's angry, she, you know, she's aggressive, you right. know? Uh, you know, if I'm Hispanic, well, you know, she's passive, you know, like any of those categories, I've been called all of them, and in certain cases, been called all of them all at once. It's like, like how can I be passive and aggressive at the same time? Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but somehow it, it happens, right? And so the point is, coming back to what Sharon uh, and what Alexis was saying, it really starts off with, with me and, and owning who I am and living by what Sharon discussed, but I, I actually do is I actually have a personal mission statement. You know, you know, we all our agencies we work for mm -hmm. have one. Mm -hmm. I actually have one of my own, mm -hmm. right? And I live by that. And I use that as a basis to judge what happened or did not happen in, in that situation, along with my personal board of directors, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. which, uh, which are the people that help me vet through uh, whether or not that was real or not real. But uh, it's not for me to figure out your issue and clear your blind spot, but I am real. I love it. I love it. So we're all going. We're just all going to have a conversation now, right? Because mm -hmm. it's it's getting mm -hmm. good. Um, you talked about knowing your sense of self, 
you talked about defining your barriers uh, and you talked about, you know, not being concerned about other people validating, basically is what you're saying, right? That validation piece. But where, because you're all at different stages, and I love that this is a diverse panel in that. Where did that come, where does that confidence, how do you tap in to that confidence? confidence? Because at certain points, we do hit low moments. We do listen to what the world has told us as black women, right? How we're supposed to feel. We are supposed to, uh, going up Caribbean, and I know Sharon, you know this, you know, you keep your head down. <laughs> just do your job, don't make waves, that sort of thing. So how, that's going against everything we've been taught, right? How, where do you get that confidence from? How do you start to pick the pieces up? I mean, I, I actually think, uh, you know, if you're a little black girl like I was, you know, like I was getting it every time my grandmother combed my hair, she was pouring into me, right? Like every time my mom, you know, put some, some Vaseline or, or some lotion on my hand, she was putting it into mm -hmm. me, right? And I actually think that the issue is, is that having spent all that time with those generations of women uh, who have come through far greater struggles yeah. than we have today, right? Like, how, like the question I always ask myself is like, well, I, I mean, I'm originally from Panama, so like, like the only way I got to this side of the Americas was on a slave ship. Some of my people came on a slave ship many years ago. And so like if they didn't give up, who am I to give up? I don't have a choice, right? Like I gotta keep pushing, right? Like, like I mean, they had it worse than we did, right? And we actually are the promise of the next generation. So we can't just give up because somebody didn't like you because somebody said you were mean, because somebody said that you were aggressive, like, just keep it moving. And so that's why my word is perseverance, because, you know, um, you know, well, I'll tell some stories later on about that. But, yeah. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Sharon? Well, I love what, what Hilma said, right? I, I've always believed I do not have the luxury of giving up, Yeah. right? I don't have that luxury. So I got to keep on keeping on, right? And so I've got to find those motivators. I've got to find those folks who will pour into me when I don't even know I need it, right? Denise is one of those folks, right? When I don't even know I need it, right? So to me, it's really the confidence comes from, you know, what will come after me, right? That's what it's all about. It's not about me at the end of the day. Right, but it's about paving the way for others to do even greater um, than I could ever dream to accomplish. Um, my word, exhale, is, is really wrapped up in that confidence and in that centering for me. Because um, I do it a lot so I don't say the wrong thing. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, to just sort of slow my pace down, right? Because you can get to the point where you're running, 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 right? Um, and sometimes you just gotta slow it down a little bit um, so that you're not as reactive to life, yeah. right? And you give yourself a moment to say, okay, wait a minute here, right? I, I've gotta choose, right? What I want to make sure moves forward in this life for me and my family, my teams, et cetera, right? So that, that's why that exhale word is so important to me because sometimes you just need to stop. Stop, reset, 
right? Yeah. Um, and uh, pick it back up again. Yeah. Alexis, I want to give you the opportunity to weigh in there too. Yeah. So. I, as humans, you know, our brains... Okay, so I was a psych major, so that's where this is coming from. Um, but as humans, our brains have such a huge negativity bias mm -hmm. already. And so it's very easy for us to go towards the negative versus also realizing, admiring the positive things that happen in our days every day. Right. You woke up this morning? Okay, that's positive. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that you have to be grateful for, a lot of things that, you know, can boost that that dopamine in you to get you excited, to get you, you know, motivated throughout the things that you're doing. But there was a book that I read when I first moved where I was going through my own, you know, stuff. Um, and there was an acronym in there, HEAL. And the H was essentially to have the opportunity and have the courage to allow yourself to be on your own side. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times you can feel like everybody is coming against you. Allow yourself to be on your own side. And then E and rich. Allow yourself to feel that positive, whatever is positive in your day, allow yourself to feel that, absorb it, that's the A. Let it ingrain in your brain because ultimately our brains can be rewired at any moment. So allow yourself to absorb that positive moment. And then L, link it. There may be negative things that happen in your day, but because you have spent the time to focus on what is positive, what you can get something good out of, it will overshine the negative and over time, you know, that'll start to become kind of second nature because resiliency is a skill. You have to tune it every single day. It's not just something that's gonna come overnight. So I have tried to implement that in my life as much as possible. It can be really hard sometimes, but again, when you have that village, we can hold you accountable, like you all were saying, um, it can be really helpful for you. I love that acronym. Yeah. Don't y'all love that? I love it. Heal. I love it. I love it. Okay, so I'm, I'm hearing intentionality, because that's really what it boils down to, is you being intentional, taking charge of your life, taking charge of the situation, reassessing some things as well, and then that helps you to propel and to be able to move forward, right? Um, and get that healing that you desire, right? Whatever form that comes in. So um, I, love, I love that discussion. Thank you all for that. Let's talk a little bit about Sometimes when we do hit a roadblock and an obstacle, we take it personal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everybody felt that. So let's, let's bring it in-house. Sometimes at work, it happens, right? You get that, some of us are in reviews right now, right? You get that performance feedback and you, you maybe didn't know that somebody was feeling a quite certain way until you get the review and the feedback, right? And, and you, you begin to internalize it. And then all of a sudden, you, you apply it to every aspect of your life. You know, if I'm insufficient here, then I must be insufficient in this other area of my life. How do you work through the not taking it personal piece? And, and even taking it a step further, not taking it to the personal where you apply it to every part of your life. Mm -hmm. And then now that becomes how you frame yourself in the context that you see yourself in. Um, Alexis, let's start with you this time. Mm -hmm. I might need some time. This is definitely something that I am most certainly still working through, especially when it involves work. I think because when you're doing something that you have passion behind, yeah. you can take it personally. Um, but I think, again, back to what I was saying as far as taking ownership of yourself, you really have to do your best to do that and try and try and try and try again. Because <laughs> there will be times that you fail, um, but you have to continue to try to take ownership of yourself. 
ultimately, you know the work that you did. You know what effort you put in, the time, the hours that you put in, if we are talking about work, whatever it might be. You know what sacrifices you made to make it happen. And for myself, I actually have like a spreadsheet of things that I have worked on, you know, throughout um, the year during work. And I say like what the project was for, who I connected with um, on that project, what was the outcome, all of those types of things so I can put that in my performance. But at the end of the day, it's not necessarily for the rating or whatever it is, but it's to see what I accomplished throughout the year. So I know exactly what I learned, what I took out of it, and how I can continue to grow. Um, and that has helped me at least. If you couldn't see it, again, like my sister said, that's on you. Um, but I know what I accomplished throughout the year. So again, it's taking accountability of myself, not concerned about what others are seeing in me. So, I mean, that's a tough one. It I, is. It, it, you know, and I've lived through it. You know, I wish I could Living say- Living through it. I, <laughs> I, I wish I could say it, 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 it doesn't sting and it doesn't hurt yeah. and it doesn't, you know, uh, when somebody just, you know, maligns you and use their power to hurt you, right? Like, I wish I could say it does not hurt. Mm -hmm. It happens, right? Mm -hmm. um, resilience does not mean that you can't cry. Resilience does not mean that you cannot acknowledge that that hurt. Yeah. Uh, it just means that you're gonna bounce back. It just means you have elasticity, that you're gonna bounce back from the thing, right? And take yourself, like, what I say to people is, we, like, my sister tells me this. She spent a whole two years telling me this. Get out from where you are, stand on the balcony, and look at it from the balcony. It's going to look like a different thing altogether, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so when you're at the balcony and you see that person down there going through that, and if that was your friend, what would you say to that friend of yours? You would have empathy for that friend. You would say to the friend, you know, don't take it so harshly. That's really not you. You know, you would tell them a whole bunch of things. Do that for yourself, which is what Sharon was uh, mm -hmm. alluding to, you know, earlier. Um, so, uh, but because in my case, I was connected to my personal mission statement, right. I couldn't give up, right? right? So therefore, you know, I just keep, keep pushing forward. But it's going to hurt, but you're going to bounce back, right? Like, um, that's what resilience is, and it's that muscle. Uh, I, I'll share a quick story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was five years out of college, I, had, um, I was working at a public agency, and they'd had some work reduction, force reduction. And I, um, but I had enough seniority over some other guy, and they gave me this other job. I studied mechanical engineering. This was a civil engineering job, but I was like, okay. You know, I went ahead and I got the job. I show up on day one, and um, the manager, I, there were some inspectors and there were some engineers in this group. Um, and I was the only woman. I was the only black person. I was the only Latina. I was the only immigrant. I was the only everything, right? <laughs> right. And he comes with this huge pile of files, like actual files. And he gives them to me and he hands them to me and he says, why don't you start off with filing because the engineers don't like to do the filing? And I'm like, okay. I just really kind of <laughs> like. <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I mean, I was like, are you, you know, so. 
<laughs> that was a moment. That was a moment, you know? And I went home and I was really upset about it. I was like, how can he not see me? Like, I'm a, one of the engineers that he's talking about that doesn't like filing. Like, right. why, like, <laughs> like, like, why is he giving me all these files? But again, connected to my mission statement and connected to who I was. At the time, you know, I mean, I'm dating myself here. I mean, Excel didn't exist yet, but there was a thing called Audi Quattro, right? Woo, way back when. <laughs> And I, I was actually one of the only people who knew how to use it, right? So I just took the files and I just, you know, created the most elaborate spreadsheet. I cross-referenced this and that or the other, you know? And then one day when I was all done, I went to his boss and I said, hi, I just want you to know that, you know, I was asked to do this filing and because they asked me, an engineer, to do it, I figured they wanted something more than just the regular stuff. So this is what I did. Um, so if you, you know, but if you're okay with continuing to pay my rate to do the filing, I'm, I'm good with it. <laughs> I went to lunch. I came back that day. All the files were gone. They were gone. <laughs> What I mean about resilience, right? Yeah. Like it's taking that moment and just coming up with not a reaction, but an action, mm -hmm. right? An intentional move, not reacting, because again, once we react, we become owners of the people who did us the harm, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm not gonna react, I'm gonna pause, I'm gonna take in who I am, and I'm gonna prepare an action of my choosing. Oh. Let's get into some Q&A. So we have the mic over here. Uh, we're here to answer any questions that you may have. I'm sorry that the people on this side of the room are going to have to walk over here, but that's the way they, they did the room. That's a great question. Uh, Sharon, do you want to take yeah, that one? Yeah, sure. So I, I struggle with the guilt thing, for sure, mm -hmm. you know? And I got some, some really good advice from, uh, from a mentor that encouraged me to continually ask myself, what's the best choice here, right? And if the best choice, meaning what's going to be, again, most impactful, where am I going to make the most difference, where am I going to be able to show up at my best, right, then that's the direction that you, that you go in. And so that's helped me make I won't say better choices, but probably more strategic choices, if that makes sense, uh, to be able to let go of the other stuff, right? Because now I have reasons why mm -hmm. I can't do the other stuff, mm -hmm. right? It's a little bit more clearer why I can't do the other stuff versus, well, I just feel like I ought to, right? Yeah. I feel like I ought to pile my plate up with all this stuff. Uh, but now, right, I can be a little clearer, a little more strategic, uh, a little simpler with life, and now I have reasons for, yeah, just can't, just can't get to that, right? So I think having, having a mechanism where you can, I, again, talk to yourself, question yourself, right, um, gives you room to make better decisions for yourself. That's a great point, if I can add on to that too. Um, I think that it's okay to feel guilty. Like, I think it's okay to have that feeling. It's a matter of not allowing yourself to sit in that guilt over time. Um, and again, knowing that the work that you're doing is impactful to your team. 
And you wanna make sure that you're presenting the best work. So if taking on something additional is going to lower that quality, then you know you're making the best decision for your team. And we know that a company, the work is gonna continue moving. It's a business, like things will get done at the end of the day. So I think it's just, you know, allowing yourself to feel the feeling, the emotion, but also realize that everything's going to be okay. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be just fine. Yeah, it, it definitely, I would just add on too. It, it, you, you have to get to a point where, where, you, where you're okay with saying no, mm -hmm. right? And that you don't feel, if it takes you away from your personal mission, if it takes you away from your values, if it takes you away from feeling good about yourself and that output, say no. Yeah. Why would you want to do it, right? And sometimes you just have to, that first one, it, it, it takes you a moment to get it to does. it, because I just really got to it maybe two years ago, but now I don't have a problem saying no. <laughs> um, you but, right, right, once you, once you do that first couple of, those first couple of no's, it's gonna, you're not gonna, that guilt is gonna, I find that for me, it goes away. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's something that, what do you want to spend your time doing? I'm just at that season in life, and Sharon's heard me talk about this before. I'm, I'm dealing with the legacy piece now. If it takes me away from the impact and the influence, and this is at work or whether in my personal life, I'm not going to do it. I don't know how much time I have left. I want to spend every second that I have left making an impact and building that legacy. So if it takes you away from that, no. <laughs> but great question, thank you. I was gonna say no is for me, the, the statement for me this year is no to you is the new yes to myself. So that's just, mm. I love that. So you all have talked about and mentioned being the only or the first in rooms on teams and organizations. Um, and then we know that firsthand in some teams and some groups and some organizations, there is competition because we believe that there's only room for one woman of color or one woman, right? right. And so just wanted to get your thoughts or advice for some of us who are perhaps perpetuating that kind mm -hmm. of stereotype that there is only room for one of us. Um, how might they want to pivot that or create space for others? Y'all are coming with some great questions. Hilma, you want to? Mm. Wow, I wish you didn't know my name on that one. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think that unfortunately the whole system is built on this scarcity mentality, yeah. you know, like there's just not enough, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't really know how it started, but I really think our society is stuck there and it's for us to actually, you know, challenge that view. Um, you know, when you do well, I do better. Like, that's the point. Like, if, if five of you are doing well, you know, that means that there's room for me to also do well. Like, I, I, I want us to look at it from that perspective because once you look at it from that perspective, then you can be helpful to other people. Like, yeah. you, like I've seen people say things kind of like, well, but if I help her, you know, they're going to pick her and they're not going to pick me. Like, are you serious? Like, like... And so that's why, you know, I think, uh, you know, working, we were talking, who, 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 somebody was having this discussion with this morning, was it last night, or oh, last night we were having it with a colleague. And we were talking about people taking ownership of your work, mm -hmm. you know, and saying that they did it. And it's like, for them to make themselves better at your expense. And I was like, wow, I just don't even believe in that. Like, like share 
and you promote somebody else, right? Like once you do that, you know, you're making yourself even look good by actually making somebody else look good. Mm -hmm. But if you believe in tearing down somebody else for the purposes of, of strengthening your position, that says more about you than it says about me, right? right? So um, I, I, I guess I would say we need to challenge that. And whenever we are in those spaces where those conversations or those insinuations uh, come about, it's for us to shut it down. And if you're in a leadership role and you see somebody falling prey to the jealousy and the yeah. scarcity mentality of others, you know, use your voice, right? Like, it's all for us to do. I mean, that, that's where true allyship comes about. It's not this whole idea of, oh, yeah, we're allies, you know, whatever. Yeah. But then when you have an opportunity to say something, you fall in with the negativity crowd, right? Like, so I would just say, yeah, just challenge it. But I, I don't really have, I, I mean, I wish we could just paint it away, right? But yeah. it, it really is a real thing out there. And, and if you walk into certain spaces and don't acknowledge that the jealousy and the scarcity mentality and the lies and the maligning, like that stuff actually is real. Uh, and they used to say, sticks and stones don't hurt my bones, yeah. but tide, but tide won't yeah. kill me, whatever words, you know, whatever whatever Something it like is. Yeah. We had different versions in right. Panama. It's in Spanish. I can't get into all of that today. Uh, but, um, but no, those words and those actions do hurt. But again, just, just do you uh, and use your voice to try to raise somebody else up. And then the process, your colors, your true colors will show. Yeah. And not only use your voice too, if you have that access, if you've been afforded that privilege, use your access, use your, open the door for somebody else. If you've done it repeatedly already, if you got recommended or if you were referred and you've had your turn, say no. And then open the door for another person, another female, another, shine the light on somebody else so that they, that's what we are here to do. Shine the light. Once we get to that status that we want, and I'm all for everybody getting their success, but how much success do you, do you need, do you want, right? We see every day it play out in the world with celebrities and stuff, and they have all this money, but they're still unhappy, right? They're still, they're still trying to attain. But when you have that privilege and when you have that access and you're able to open up the door for somebody else, do so. Because there is more, there's room for more than one person of color, woman of color, you know, to Toyin's point, it's not lonely at the top. It's, we bought into that. <laughs> it's not lonely. It doesn't have to be lonely at the top. There's room for everybody at the top. And so that's also part, part of resiliency. When you, when you also say that too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I don't know, Alexis and Sharon, if you have anything else to, to add I mean, to the, that. The only thing that I, I would add, right, that as, as leaders, and, and all of us in this room are leaders, yeah. right? Whether we have the official title or not. Right. There are folks that look up to us in our example, right, of how to get things done, how to maybe carry ourselves in certain situations and whatnot. So you all have leadership influence. And so one of the privileges of that, back to what Denise is saying, is making the table bigger, right, through our influence. So that the scarcity mentality, I've never heard it phrased that way, but it's so on point, right? That as you increase the size of the table, you increase the opportunities for more voices to be included, right? That that gives an opportunity because you're at the table to influence who is at that bigger table. Yeah. 
right? And that's that's the privilege, that's true leadership, right? Being able to change the way an organization looks and thinks and makes decisions. Yeah, I would just say, so you were talking earlier about the phase of life that you're in right now being legacy and mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. um, I think the phase of life that I'm in right now is a lot like learning, a lot of learning. And so I get excited when I see another woman in the room, especially a woman of color, because I know each one of us has a story and I want to know your story. Right. <laughs> I want to learn. I remember when I had like, it was maybe my first or second week at Jacobs and there was a seminar online and you were on the panel and no, no, I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What I say? <laughs> it was you, it was you. And you really just resonated with me telling your story. And I just was so motivated. Like I was starting a new job. I was like, oh yeah, I got to connect with her. Reminder, I'm remote. So I went straight to LinkedIn and I found you and I sent you a message. I don't know if you remember, but I sent wow. you a message. Wow, okay. <laughs> um, but I, I did that in a way to stay connected because I knew at some point I was going to need advice, wisdom, some sort. Was this about the poem I read? No. Oh, okay, okay. But I'm sure it was great. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. um, so connectedness is really important. Like I said, every human needs it. And I think that when you finally kind of get out of that phase of life of competition, but more like, I have something that I can learn from you. And also you can potentially learn something from me. It yes. just creates a completely different atmosphere and environment for you. Um, so that's, that's, that's kind of my two cents on, on that. Well, you bring up a good point about this one here, because if y'all didn't catch her speech last year when she won her Women of Color Award, go back and listen to the replay because it was very inspirational. Thank you. Well, I'm happy to say that at Jacobs, um, the conversation has continued and it has not died down. And it's something that we truly embed throughout the organization in terms of our focus areas and our initiatives and our efforts. Um, we have... Um, aspirational goals in terms of our gender and our diversity and our diverse recruitment and our hiring um, efforts that we do. But um, it is something that seemed at one point in time um, outside, external to, to our company that it was just a check the box exercise for some companies. So I will, Sharon, if you mm -hmm. want to answer that question. Yeah, um, yeah. And especially, you know, with, with us as leaders in the room, like you mentioned, hiring managers and, and whatnot, yeah. right? Again, it kind of goes back to making that table bigger, right? Using our, our leadership influence to do that and being able to say to our, our recruiters, this slate's not diverse enough, go back, right? We got, we got to be okay saying that, right? And, and setting the standard and the expectation for how we want to build our teams, yeah. right? how we want to encourage our teammates to be out and about at some of these um, recruiting mm -hmm. venues right. that allow for us to get to know diverse talent better, right? And I think as leaders, we have to use the influence that we have, whether it's in our immediate sphere or whether it's an ability to influence up, right? But to set the standard for how we want our teams to be built and the inclusive culture that we want to create as a, as a result of that. Right, so as a hiring manager, right, in my role, I can say that slate's not diverse enough. Mm -hmm. I need you to go, I need you to go keep looking, right? And, and I'm, I'm in my uh, remit to be able to do that, right? And others 
seeing that and seeing that example creates that conversation, right, for how we do it. And we've got great folks like Alexis on board now that can help with that, right? So that's how I would look at it, that I, I control my sphere of the world, right? And I'm not going to let the conversation die down in the area that I can influence. Yeah. Because it's going to come back in fashion, right? Right. But we got to keep the work going. That's right. That's right. Alexis, you were going to say something? Oh, yeah. Not too much more. But I was just wanting to comment on, um, so you mentioned, you know, because you're in this leadership role, you are able to do that. And I think another question comes, like, when you're not there yet, mm -hmm. how do you continue to express the importance of equity and inclusion on the team? So, like, when I was a recruiting coordinator at one point, I noticed, this was at a different company, um, I noticed that we didn't have really any diversity. We weren't, you know, touching all of the different um, schools that we could, HBCUs in particular. Um, and although I had just started, I had enough confidence in the knowledge, the skill set, the talents that are out there to be able to bring that to my manager, having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Um, now, sometimes it takes time to build up that confidence, but it was something that I already knew and still to myself, like, I am representation of that. I have skill, I have talent, and I know that there are plenty other people that do too. And our goal is to get, you know, a talented team here, right, so that we continue to provide great solutions for our clients, right? So I'm bringing you something that um, we don't necessarily have right now, but is going to benefit us in the long run, um, but also my people. And so um, I just, I, I just kind of continue to hold that confidence and bring that consistently to my team until eventually I was given that opportunity to own that and um, to be able to partner with leadership that brought more attention to it. So I think sometimes you are starting at the bottom, but you can make it to the top. And you just have to continue to express, communicate, and be consistent with how important it is. Yeah, and I think the individual voice is, is very powerful. And when we bring those individual voices yeah. together, right, even more powerful. So if there's a you know, employee resource group or some other, right, type of organization within the company mm -hmm. um, that is centered around not necessarily uh, black talent, as an example, but diverse talent, right, that collective voice, right, creates another level of conversation, if you will, right, um, that amplifies, I think, the individual, individual voices. Um, and we need to really, as organizations, leverage our, our employee resource groups, right, um, to advance some of these key initiatives. Go ahead. Um, you know, how many of you have watched that TED Talk from Simon Sinek on the why? It's, it's like one of the most widely, like any of you who have not watched it, I just recommend you watch it. And it talks about, you know, powerful, impactive speeches and people are the ones who talk about why and not the how or the what. And I think that in the diversity uh, part of the, when we apply that to the diversity conversation is, is that we got stuck at the what. And then we got stuck at that what, or sometimes we even talk about the how, well, I'm gonna go do it at HBCU, but we forget about the why. And the why about diversity is, is that every single study has shown that the teams that have diversity, the most diversity, are the ones that are innovating, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're getting over there, not just staying here. It is imperative 
for companies who want to make it into this next leap to form diverse teams. So we, so how do we do it? How do we keep that alive? Is focus on the why of the thing, not in the numbers, not on the how you're gonna do it, but the reason why it's important. And it's important because if the company wants, like, I don't wanna misquote the statistics, but they're financially more profitable companies that have the most amount of diversity. They actually have better retention, um, you know, uh, better wellness, even, even to the point where they pay less on insurance, right? Like uh, for their employees uh, when they are, have diverse teams, right? So I would say continue talking about the why. Don't, stop, don't get stuck on, oh, we only have 8% women in this company. Just keep talking about we need to continue to build a diverse team because it's the diversity of thought that we are wanting to bring around the table which pushes us forward into the next into the next uh, generation of things. That ruminating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to take that on? Mm. Okay, I wish I could tell you I was done with that one. <laughs> that part right there. But um, no, it happens, right? And I think um, the first thing to do really, I mean, is this whole topic on emotional intelligence is really key, yeah. right? because emotional intelligence is about learning where you are so that you can be empathetic and socially appropriate with other people. And so the first thing is acknowledging whatever the sentiment it is that you have. That emotion is just a cue to something. And so what we do is we, we tamp it down. We're like, oh no, I don't wanna seem like this. You know, let me just pretend it's not there. No, you actually have to acknowledge it and try to work at figuring out what triggered uh, that, that emotion at that point in time, and then take that pause so that you can, like I said earlier, create your appropriate um, uh, action, not reaction as a result of that. That's one. And then the second point I would say is, is that we, particularly as women of color, you know, um, we tend to have a very negative dialogues going on in our heads. Like we can be very mean to ourselves, like beyond what, outside there, then we bring it inside and we continue to ruminate and coulda, woulda, shoulda, and mm -hmm. you're so stupid, why do you do this? And you know, like we really physically have to shut that off. And the way you shut it off is by replacing with something else. It's like if you just say, I'm not gonna think about it and you don't replace it with something else, it's just not gonna happen. And um, I remember there was a point in time in my life where I had given into this whole negativity business, right? Like, and I had such bad self-esteem at that point based on the things that people had said or had done, whatever, um, that I just came up with uh, truly, and I would say in my fate, a truly a Holy Ghost moment, right? Like I, I came up with this idea of coming up with a list of things and I started writing on this list things I liked about myself and things I knew were true. And I actually started off with one thing, I like my nails. And I actually wrote that on a piece of paper and I hid it, I was in college and I hid it in my, in my underwear drawer. And when, um, when the negative conversation started, I would go to the drawer and it's like, you have nice nails. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started adding to the list, adding to the yeah. list, but in honesty, like, like no, you really, you really kicked ass in that one. You're like, you really did a good job on that one, right? Like, 
you, I started writing it down. And so then I would go to the list. It was like, I started off with the nails and then moved on to thing number two, you know, and eventually the list started getting pretty long. And then eventually I stopped going to the drawer as much. Right. So that was my technique when I was 18 years old to try to shut off that negativity. And since then, you know, I think I have much better control at how to handle that and acknowledging the pain and having empathy for myself and acknowledging what's going on in order to be able to uh, uh, um, act appropriately, not react. That's that's the key, right? You're not reacting. You're acting appropriately. And I think the other thing, too, is and Sharon, you brought this up earlier. This is where that, that networking, that village, those trusted people, because they're gonna be the ones when you recount the story to them, they're gonna sit back and listen. They're gonna let yeah. you get all that emotion out. And then they're gonna say, okay, now let's really dig into this. Yeah. Why is this bothering you so much? Mm-hmm. What is at the root? And if you're wrong, those, those, those people, those friends, right? Not acquaintances, not associates, not people you talk to every now and then, but the ones that are gonna hold you to the fire are gonna say, now, you know you was wrong for that, <laughs> right? Or they're going to say, well, you know, you have a point because I know you. You know, sometimes with me, it's I know you and I know that's what you said, yeah. you know? <laughs> and then it's like, well, how are you reflecting the mirror back? At, but it's true because that's why they're in my circle. Because when I'm in those moments, I don't need you to tell me something superficial. I need you to tell me the real deal. The Call truth. me out. Truth. And then if, I'm, if, if, if I happen to be right, which I think I am most of the time, <laughs> but if I happen to be right, then validate that. Yes. And then give me a solution. You know, I have a, I have a manager now. So if you're going to take away something, think about the solution. You, gotta, you take it away, you got to add something to it, right? Mm-hmm. So think about the solution. How can we work through this? How can we get you through this? What are some of the things that you could do next time? What are the, some of the things that you could call out and bring to their attention? Not with all the, but when you're calm, you know, right? You know, I, I used to do this. I used to like type the email but not send it. <laughs> or now I get, I'm like, well, sometimes I may send it, so let me just go over the word and type the email <laughs> and keep it in a <laughs> and keep it in a word file. <laughs> and so I don't have to worry oops, about accidentally sit right. Oops. Um, so. <laughs> So it's that trusted circle and those trusted people within that circle. And mind you, my circle's not that big, right? Because again, you can't take everybody, but it's those, in those moments, that's when you need, and that's what will help that ruminating too. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, because I most certainly am working through that, but was definitely that person. Like I'm reacting emotionally first before yeah. anything else. And I had to have that, you know, my my safe spaces mm-hmm. letting me know this is what you do. You you haven't seen it, but this is what you do. Mm-hmm. And so I really had to start. Um, so when those moments happen, what I typically do is breathe. Like, yeah. exhale. <laughs> you got to breathe. You got to breathe. And then I really do my best. Um, through that breathing, you know, that kind of helps with your emotions and everything. But during that same time, open up my ears to really listen. What is it that this person is telling me that I really like? I mean, everyone sometimes has some truth to what they're saying. And I think that um, and I think that sometimes you just have to really listen, take in what is being said and then take some time to reflect yourself. I absolutely believe in talking to your safe spaces, but I also now believe in reflect self-reflecting on my own 
prior to bringing my story, my rah to my, my safe space or whatever. Um, because I do think that in the moments where maybe you don't have your safe space to go to, what are you gonna do? So I think it's really important to make sure you are working on yourself so you can be able to regulate your own emotions, breathe, do whatever gives you like some sense of peace and self-reflect um, on your own and also talk to safe spaces as well. My name is Kimberly Cole. I'm from Everett, Washington. Um, hey, I'm from Seattle. Oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm the only one um, in Everett. And sometimes you feel like Casper. I don't know mm -hmm. if you guys know about Casper, the funny ghost. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of um, high turnover. Mm -hmm. I was wondering how do you bridge the gap as far as um, leveraging yourself? You have higher turnover, but they're not utilizing the talent that they have. They seek outside mm -hmm. for talent when you have the talent right there in your face? Mm -hmm. That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not from Seattle. That is a tough one. You know, I think, you know, part of it is going back to some of the earlier discussion we had around using our voice to create visibility to other talent, mm -hmm. right? And doing that before there's actually a need to do that, if that makes sense, right? So talking about, you know, some of that talent that you think can contribute more within an organization, talking them up, you know, just talking them up. You know, if it's in your purview to give them a special assignment that lets them shine a little more, yeah. give them that assignment, right? But give, you know, those folks that you think are rising stars in the organization that could move around into those gaps that you're seeing in your organization, you know, I would encourage that, right? And encourage others that have that ability to do that to do the same thing. Because that that's how you really get to see how talent can stretch themselves um, into roles that maybe folks hadn't thought they could do. Um, so that's one idea that, that I'd put out there. I would also say you got to challenge some of the dialogue, right? Like um, I, I once worked at an organization. It was like within my first week of being at the organization. And, and they did like some people call it like nine boxing, you know, like, you know, which are the high performers and mm -hmm. so forth and so on, you know, like. And... Um, you know, there were some people on the lower box, you know, the box you don't want to be on. And, you know, like, like when you ask, like, well, why are they in that box? They, like, the stories they're telling about something that happened two and three years ago. Mm -hmm. and, and it was like, well, that was the reason to put them in the box three years ago, but that's not the reason why they should be in this right. box, right? Like, so, again, like, we just really need to use our voices, right? And, and... um and like Sharon says, to, to challenge those things, right? Like, I mean, and, and if you just put somebody in a box, I mean, don't think you're talking about yourself if, they, if that person stays in, the, in that box. That's your problem because what kind of leadership have you provided in order to get that person out of that box, right? Like, there's no way in the world an employee fails. When you're a leader, that employee fails by himself or herself, right? right? And so therefore, um, you know, it's a mark of leadership, in fact, to make sure that you're providing the resources for that team member. And if, and if they can't do it, then get rid of them. 
you know, I mean, just tell them they need to find someplace else, you know, help them constructively come up with what the next portion of their career is. But this whole idea of just talking about, oh, well, in 1967, you know, that person, you know, they messed up on that project, you know, and it, that, that's just not, yeah. I just want to thank you, panelists. Wasn't this a great conversation? Can y'all give my panelists? And Miss Kim, did you get what you need now? Okay. Okay. All right. So when you see that, when they don't want to nod, you know what you got to do? Okay. All right. Thank you, Miss Kim, for coming today. Thank you all for coming today. Um, and as we round out, I just want each of you to leave the audience with. Um, they know I'm big on affirmations. I try to start my day with an affirmation every day, um, something that reminds me of my purpose and, and why I woke up that day, right? And so I just wanted them to leave you all with something. Um, maybe it's an affirmation. I don't know what they came up with because I just kind of left them to themselves. Um, but I'll start uh, with you, Hilma. What, what would you like to leave with the group? Yeah, I mean, I would say for all of my sisters of color out there and um, people of color or people, period, who are feeling down. Um, you did not get here by accident. Mm. You've made it this far. You have what it takes to make it all the way. Live it. Mm. I love it. Sharon. Beautiful, beautiful. I love it. I'm receiving. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine is uh, in a similar vein, right? You have everything you need mm -hmm. to do everything you need, to be everything you need, to accomplish everything you need. Mine comes from something my mentor told me, and I want to make sure I'm quoting her correctly. So <laughs> essentially, um, to my women of color and everyone in this room as well, you can tend to the causes, but you cannot control the results. All you can do is make the offering and be yourself and do your very best. So continue pursuing your aims, your goals, your ambitions, while also being fundamentally at peace with whatever happens. Y'all did so good. Y'all did so good. So I will just leave you with mine, and it's something that I've been saying not only to my mentees, but just people that I've been having conversations with lately. And I know we're in the last, what, a uh, little under three months now of 2023. And for some, 2023 started out rough. Maybe it didn't start out rough, but in the middle it got rough. And then now maybe at the end now, you're just trying to figure out how you're going to get through it. So my um, two words is just push through. You got it. Like, you know, the panel has said, you, you have everything you need. Uh, you have done all you can. And you're going to make it. And it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. So stay before strong, you sis. stay strong, sis. Yes, <laughs> stay strong, sis. And brothers. Stay strong, and sis, brothers. and brothers. So with that, I am going to um, close out this panel. Thank you, ladies. This has been great. I don't get very much time to spend. I truly admire these ladies. We don't just work together. There's a sisterhood up here. So I'm, I always enjoy the time that I get to have with them. But I also want to, as conference participants, remind you to um, continue to go to the, these seminars. I think they're wonderful. What they're off I've seen the offering of what um, they're, they're giving this year. And it's just, if you have the time and the availability, 
Go and learn and soak up that knowledge. Meet other sisters. I've met so many. A year later, we're still in contact. We've gone from LinkedIn to personal email. So that's how, that's how tight we are. And so, you know, as honorees last year, um, Sharon, Hillman, myself, and then this year, um, our, our sister here, Alexis, being an honoree. I, to all the honorees, if you're an honoree this year, raise your hand, round of, a, round of applause. <laughs> I think it's absolutely wonderful that we get the opportunity to celebrate. But because they have a seminar, just a few housekeeping um, behind us, just if you want to continue the conversation, um, politely move out into the hallway so they can begin to set up the next room. Um, again, thank you to all the presenters. And thank you to all of you um, for taking your time today to join us. And have a wonderful rest of your day. And push through. And thanks to you, Denise. Great uh, job. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Denise. Thank you.